When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, from Learfield. Pistols firing! Touchdown, Oklahoma State! This is the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider. Here is your host, Dave Hunziker. This is the Cowboy Radio Network Insider, back from the dead after a few months off for the summer. And it's been a summer of anticipation, and uh, now... The football season is basically here. We're roughly a week away from the opener against Tulsa, and it's uh, great to get together with you again. Dave Hunziker and Robert Allen, and we'll be previewing each game throughout the course of the football season on game week, and so this is sort of a post-preseason camp edition, and we'll have a preview for you next week when we play Tulsa on the 31st. So it's been, you know, the thing about the preseason camp, Robert, I think, is this. It's been uneventful from the standpoint of injuries. The bikes that they usually put the injured players on just sort of sat over there gathering rust. They really haven't rusted. That's an exaggeration, but you get my point. And we've had some compelling storylines, but they've been positive storylines. I mean, it's really been, as I think back on however many years I've been here, this has been one of the most positive preseason camps that I can remember. Usually something bad happens. Something at some point bad happens. There hasn't been any of that really, you know? It's been good. Yeah, or, or even immediately prior. Marcel Aitman sure. went down in July. Billy Lavini. Oh, that's happened the last in, two in years. July, yeah. So so there was none of that. Uh it, it has been, uh, you know, I, I think back to last week when you and I walked out of the stadium following a scrimmage and we looked at each other like, was that a scrimmage we just saw? <laughs> what exactly was that? Yeah, because it was, it, to me, it was reminiscent of an NFL preseason game. Oh, that's a great analogy. In that, in that the starters came in, 
did just enough to get their feet wet and make the coach happy, and they were gone for the day. A few of them scattered back in during the course of the scrimmage to augment the second and third teamers, but really you didn't see much of those guys. And and you know what? That's just a sign of what Mike Gundy was trying to figure out. He and his staff, they don't have many first-team issues at all. Their issues no. are backups. And their issues are which young players do we play and which ones do we redshirt. And that's why two-thirds of that scrimmage uh, or more were second. Actually, it was more than that. Probably, um, I mean, if we're if we're doing fifths, four fifths of that scrimmage were second and third. Oh, teams. absolutely, yeah, eighty percent for sure. E, yeah, so there we go. Percentage that would be John. If John were sitting here, he'd play the percentage. Yeah, he knows all you. about percentages. But um, no, I mean we we. It's like, really? I mean, and, and the biggest issues have been the kicking game and backups. That's a pretty good spring camp. If you're a head coach and your biggest issues are who's backing up and who's going to kick PAT field goal, um, that's not bad at all. Well, so, the thing is, is that even a lot of the backups are pretty well resolved. I mean, not in every area, but more so than I can remember in several years because you have a pretty clear picture, I think, of who the twos are. One of the things, too, if you would have told me before camp that Mike Gundy would have five tailbacks that he felt good about playing, I said, there's no way. Maybe three. If you're really lucky, maybe four. He's got five. And Jeff Carr, you would have thought would be one of those in the mix, was number six, and he has left. He's transferred to Texas A&M Kingsville Division Two, but – I mean, we knew about Justice Hill, obviously, Big 12 freshman of the year on offense. But my goodness, J.D. King, the freshman, Chuba Hubbard, uh, I mean, gosh, L.D. Brown, uh, Jalen Wilson. I mean, those guys have those guys have been very good. No, there's no doubt. And I think the freshman especially, I, I think you knew J.D. King coming in because he's been here all summer and you had a chance. I mean, I, I, I sneak out. That's how crazy I am. I sneak out to a couple of those metabolic workouts during the summer that are player-led because I want to see the new guys. I want to see how hard the team's working, which with this group, very hard. I mean, those were not goof-up sessions. Those were practices that if you didn't – if you if you weren't paying close attention, you'd have thought the coaches were out there. It was that organized and that that, that the effort was that great. So J.D. King was a known, but Chuba didn't get here until after the 4th of July – so you wonder how good a shape is he going to be in? I mean, he's a track guy, so you figure he stays in pretty good shape. But he's also adapting from the Canadian style of football to the American style, which I thought might take a while. Well, I think Coach Gundy felt that way, too, that it, it, there was some concern. It didn't. It hasn't. Well, especially he's, from, say, last Saturday through the first part of this week, it seems yeah. like he's really taken off. Yeah, he's he's a special guy, just as as JD King is, and you mentioned LD Brown and Jerron Wilson. Before we get too far down the road of hunky dory, and gosh, life is perfect. There are some issues that I have that that could very well be ironed out with the first time we watch him play against Tulsa. You talking about with the tailbacks or just in general? No, in general. Oh, I and, do too. I, I don't okay. disagree with you. So okay. what are you thinking? I'll see if we match well, up. Well, my concerns are still with the kicking game because 
it won't be hopefully the first three games. I guess some people might think Pitt might be a slobber knocker. But at some point, you're going to need a field goal, if not to win a game, for momentum inside a game. Oh, absolutely. And you know this, when you when your offense has worked hard to get down there, especially if it's a close-in shot and it's missed, that's a momentum killer. It absolutely is. So Abs- I, totally. I, I need to know that, that You're a little anxious Matt about Amendola? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I like Matt. I Philly. We call him Philly because he's from outside of Philadelphia. And, you know, uh, so I, I'm, I'm all excited for him because I know how much this means to him. But he has been inconsistent, and I just need to see that consistency, and I need to see how the games change him. Well, and he hasn't kicked in games except it's very limited duty. So. Well, the one he kicked against Central Michigan was about the best thing that happened that day against Central Michigan that last 51-yarder, I think, yeah. Uh, 53. Or 53, pardon me, 53. But, but, yeah, I mean, so anyway, that's one thing. I've got some concerns about the the depth at defensive tackle. Yeah, I would. I I have uh, similar ones. I have. I still have a concern about Aaron Cochran. I, I know he's I have what's a concern the about the offensive line. Period. To some extent, I, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with the other four guys, and I'm, I'm okay even pretty good with, with the backups. Yeah, I'm okay with them, but there has to be another leap of improvement if you're talking about being in the top five in the country sure. and being in the playoff. So the last two years, they've allowed 32 quarterback sacks. That's a tangible number, and that's too many. So they've just got to continue to make the type of leaps they made, 14 to 15, then 15 to 16, hopefully 16 to 17. But continue about Aaron Cochran. He's a transfer from Cal, transfer from who has Cal. been uh, very highly regarded coming in. But I think he's worked really hard. He's got good feet. His strength numbers were subpar, but I think he's worked on those. Uh, but I still need to see him in a game. And, and, you know, and even though he started for most of two seasons at Cal, I need to see him work here. Fair enough. I agree. I, I'm, I'm going to go back, and I know you said the offensive line as a whole. I'm going to – have you, are you paid up on your lightning insurance? Being, I sure hope Being so. struck by, as in sitting next to somebody who might get struck by lightning. Now, speaking of that, unrelated – Because I'm about, I'm about to question something that most people – are going to say, really? Can I tie something in that's funky? You bring up lightning. Yeah. Okay. Tracy Moore had his a former wide receiver, Tracy mm-hmm. Moore. We had a Twitter message message exchange last weekend. His car was struck by lightning. He wasn't hurt, thankfully. So cars you, are grounded. They have rubber tires. Yeah, so. but so, but so it was a scary deal, nonetheless. Sure. I mean, he said struck by lightning. I thought he was really hurt, but he was okay. So anyway, that I had to tie that football huh. reference into strike by lightning because okay, well, you might get you might get struck just being close to me when I question the player I'm about Would to question. Would you please not get me killed? I'm trying so go, not So to. go ahead. Go for it. What do you got? Okay, you mentioned the 32 sacks. Oh, I know where you're going with this. I'm not convinced the offensive line was responsible for as many of those 32 sacks as most people you're want going. to pin on them. And it's something I've even seen in fall camp that I, I understand that our quarterback here is regarded. And believe me, people know I'm, I'm – if I'm not president, I'm vice president of the fan club for Mason Rudolph. Did you appoint yourself to that, or did you, somebody no, elect I'm you? Just, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm just saying. If somebody, I'm just because, I mean, since he was recruited, you guys remember, you guys were worried I was going to yes. commit an NCAA violation oh, I the know. season before he got here because I was, I was going to talk about him during broadcast. I'm just slapping you around. Go ahead with your point. Here's the deal. I think Mason's terrific. I do know who his hero is. And he's been to the camp out there three times to Thibodeau. He eats up everything that is spit out to him by Peyton Manning. Okay. If there's one thing about Peyton, 
that always concerned me when he was in the NFL is he would hold on to that football to till he got what he wanted. Yeah. Okay. I think Mason Mason's very much a perfectionist. And I think Mason holds onto the ball until he's got what he wants. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. He needs to start believing in Mick Jagger. You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. Take what you need and throw the football. Get rid of it. Get it out of your hands. Because I've seen and you've seen it too. We even talked about it one day in a practice recently. He's back there holding the ball, and I'm like, man, you got to get that out of your hands. Yeah, you're I guess. Off, first of all, your offensive Watching line yesterday. can't hold forever. And second, right. if you don't see what you want in 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, get rid of it. Throw it in the stands. Throw it, he, throw it into the ground, yeah. which he does, you know, short passes. I've seen him ground the ball real quick. But he cannot hang on to because let me tell you something. Every opponent Oklahoma State plays this year, and it was probably the case the last year and maybe the year before that, but especially this year, and it'll start with Tulsa with Bill Young's crew. You don't think Bill Young, the defensive coordinator at Tulsa, is not going to – and I know we're getting into Tulsa preview now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get more on that more next, next week. week. But every week, defenses are going to have a bullseye on number two. Sure. So let me tell you something. When, when it's not there, don't wait on it. Don't wait forever. Get rid of the ball. Get it out of your hands. I know you want that completion percentage really high. NFL scouts and people like to see that. But they also like to see guys that can walk. So well, yeah. get it out of your hands. Well, here's the thing, too. That is a concern, a legitimate concern right now. Well, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with something else. While we're sort of on this topic, people ask me during the offseason, various interviews that I've done about Mason Rudolph, and I'm very consistent in what I say. There has to be greater consistency on his part. I mean, look at last year's Oklahoma game. It was raining, but 11 of 25 in that game. The previous week against TCU, people forget, the Cowboys ran wild against the Horned Frogs, but they struggled to throw it. He ended up 17 of 34, and if I remember at one point in the game, he was like 6 for 17. Really struggled in the first half. Now, Iowa State, Kansas, you get a little bit of a hall pass because, as we found out, uh, we knew at the time, but we don't talk about those things. He was playing hurt, so you give him a hall pass on those. There just has to, I think one thing with him, too, and to some extent somebody might say, well, you're splitting hairs here, but when you're trying to win a conference championship and trying to get in the playoff, you have to split hairs, is I think for him, too, he has a lot of games that are A, A-minus games. That's why he's in the Heisman race. For me... The, the, the improvement hopefully we'll see this year as a third-year starter is his bad games changing from being a C or C-minus grade game B. to like a B or B-minus. Does that make sense? No, that's, a, that's absolutely true. And I think a big part of that is understanding, okay, it's not there. Get rid of the football. Let's go play another down. And to his defense, so last year, you think about the last, I would say it started with the Kansas game, which would have been week seven, he started to do a better job of using his checkdowns, throwing it to the tailback out of the sure. backfield, hitting the cowboy backs. Because remember, early in the year, to illustrate that point, Blake Jarwin had three catches in the first four games. That was it. Then he had four against Texas, three against Iowa State. He had two against K-State, two against TCU. So his production went up. Part of that was Mason getting the ball to those guys 
in situations, you know, check down situations. Chris Carson was involved in that, and you had various others. Here's uh, flipping the page to the defense because so many people are concerned about the defense, although, you know, you think about the end of the year last year, uh, the defense had some, especially uh, TCU and the bowl game against Colorado, they had some great moments. One thing that's, that, that is fun about the defense, I think, is the linebacker position, for example, you have a lot of options with different skill sets, which should give them probably more flexibility defensively, I would think, than what we've seen in a while. Do you do you see it that way? There's just a not only do you have some depth, but you have guys with different skill sets where you can I don't want to say match up, it's not that simple, but you can sort of create whatever package you're looking for to a large extent with the personnel to do it and do it well. And not just at linebacker. I think you've got uh, different guys up front. Yeah, that's true. Uh, not as many at defensive tackle, and I'm concerned overall about having enough defensive tackles. But at, at defensive end, you've got, you know, you've got guys that are power rushers. You've got guys that are uh, what I call level guys. You know, Chad uh, – um, Whitener? Uh, or, no, no, no. Cole Waltershed. Oh, Cole Waltershed. Cole Waltershed's a level guy. I know he looks like you know a big, tall pass rusher, and he's effective with that. But he's a level guy. He'll play the run fifty. You know, he'll be fifty-fifty run pass and and do well against both. Uh, I look at uh, Jarrell Owens. To me, Jarrell's more of a run guy, stop run. He's a little smaller, six-three, a little more compact. Uh, then I look at uh, Jordan Brailford if he's healthy. Jordan's a power rusher. He's a guy that wants to fly off the edge, go get the quarterback, and he's really good at it. Traylon Weber's the same one. Yeah, as, um, as was demonstrated last year with his so performance. You've got different guys there. I think your safeties are different. When you bring in Darius Curry, yes, that's a different look at safety than it is with, with say, Ramon back there. Um, same thing with Gerald Morrow, who more times than not in practice is paired with Darius but I think it'll be interesting to have sometimes Gerald with Ramon and Trey with Darius, um, you know, as far as the, the safety position. So I think you can mix and match a little bit there. The corners are all corners. I mean, and, and I think you've and got – And more of them than we've had in yeah, a while. Yeah, you've got five or six that you can go with there. Here's my thing on defense, and this is a petty thing, and it's one the head coach is happy about, but it's one of the areas that I don't always agree with the head coach. I need during fall camp, and I know with the day off, with the you know less less you know pounding, no no two a days, two a days used to make everybody angry. So now tempers were at an edge, and you usually yeah. would get a couple of uh, little fracases. I don't even call them fisticuffs anymore; they're fracas. I saw one fracas the entire camp, one, and it didn't involve linemen. I usually like to see a fracas or two where an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman get hot with each other. Somebody said something off winning a uh, pass pro or somebody got up under somebody's face mask during inside drill and, you know, you, you got a little bit of a breakout. Never saw it. That, that yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't mean guys aren't mean and nasty when they need to be. But I want to kind of see that. The only one that the, – and you know what? The only one I saw the entire fall camp involved a freshman, Tabo Winicki from uh, Denton Geyer at safety, and Jalen McCleskey. 
Tabo took a little bit of a cheap shot with McCleskey in a seven on seven. And McCleskey, being the veteran player, snapped at the freshman. And the freshman, instead of just saying, Yes, sir, Mr. Varsity, you know, Letterman, second or first uh, receiver on the team in uh, receptions. Yeah, leading receiver. Yeah, leading receiver from a year. Instead, he said, Hey, you better duck because I got something coming for you. And it was a big old roundhouse. So. I just, I mean, it's I think not I immature know. on no, my part. I, think, I like no, no, no. to see one or two of those. Because it goes to something that I've thought a lot about this summer. And there's always comparisons, and it's reasonable to do this, this team to 2011. The 2011 team had a little bit of, and I don't know any other word to use than this, they had a little punk to them. And that was good. And part of that, let's give credit where credit's due, especially on offense, was due to Dana Holgerson and his predecessor, or his the, the guy that followed him, Todd Monken. They coached him that way. Um, it's not to say they don't now necessarily, but they, they had a, a little cockiness to them, not over the top, very confident, but they had a little edge to them, and they were very comfortable in their own shoes. Most of those guys kind of enjoyed the media, and, and uh, they, had a very, they had a maturity about them, but they had a little punk or a little edge to them. I don't see that with this team, and part of me says one group. One group. Which group? I think the receivers. Yeah. I think the receivers. Uh, I think they're a, a group that, that that they walk around. I mean, they don't put themselves above their teammates, but I just think the way they walk around, the way they, you know, appear during practice, they are emanating a a um, attitude of our. Our backside product does not stink. Well, <laughs> there you and, go. but I guess I wish maybe the entire team was more like that because most of that team, even the younger players, they had that little edge to them to where when they walked into the stadium, I think everybody, they, they knew they were going to kick somebody's butt. They knew the team across the field knew they were going to get their rear end kicked. And there was, a, there was a little psychological deal there that was important. One thing that's different about this team than 2011 was – Last year, for example, and again, it was a great year, but you had to rally from two touchdowns behind to win at K-State. You had to come from 17 down at home to beat Iowa State, albeit with an injured quarterback playing. Mason was hurting at that time. And you needed a missed extra point at home to beat Texas Tech. Those are all wins. But the thing is, I'm not certain that K-State, Texas Tech, and Iowa State are just quaking in their boots at the thought of playing Oklahoma State, whereas that 2011 team, I think teams literally were thinking, oh, dear heavens, I hope we don't get beat 100-3 to because that was in play. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, and you know what? There's another group that has a different attitude. See, I think the receivers have that ultra-confident They do. Sure, attitude. I agree with you. And, and, and you know what? And, and the thing is, if it were different guys, if there wasn't a different guy leading them, which is James Washington – I'd be worried about it, but they can have that attitude. They've kind of earned it, and I think it won't affect them. But there is a group, and I, this is the attitude I wish more more position groups on the team would have. There is a group that has a chip on their shoulder, and it's serving them very well in fall camp, and I believe it'll serve them very well during the season. It's the aforementioned cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. Because everybody yeah. and their dog across the country has said, oh, she's not very good defensively. It's because they can't play the pass and they don't have any corners. Well, you know what? The world doesn't know A.J. Green. 
Uh, Rodarius Kirk, Williams. Kirk Herbstreet doesn't know who Rodarius Williams is right now. No one knows who Malik uh, Curse is. Nobody knows Malik Curse. He was well hidden. He could have been in witness protection or, here or last Bryce year. Bayless, for that matter. Bryce Bayless. Yeah, they don't know these guys. Well, you know what? Our receivers know them, and they'll tell you. They're pretty good. So uh, I think the two groups that go against each other in practice every day, one's cocky, one's got a chip on their shoulder. It produces fun action and practice every day. But now I want to see if that spreads. I'd like to see the linebackers Take have that a little on. bit of that. And I think there's one guy that has it, but he's not the leader. He's the youngest pup in the in the in the mix, and that's Calvin Bundy. Yeah, I, I figured that's where you were you, you're going with that. Uh, of they, all the coaches, of all the people in football here, yeah, who would you not want to buck against? Think about this. Who, who would I not? Who? Who? who, who I, it, it's I'll not, give you my choice. Okay. I mean, this is just off the he top doesn't of my work, head. He doesn't work on the foot on the coach's level. He works down in the basement. Oh, Rob Glass. Yeah, I would not want to buck. I was thinking of a coach. I don't want to mess Do you, with Joe Bob Clements anytime soon. No, I wouldn't either. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to buck up against Rob Glass, but Calvin Bundage has bucked him all the way until this summer. And finally this summer, Calvin saw the light and realized, you know what? This guy's right. I'm wrong. Yeah. And Calvin bought into the Rob body by glass, a whole deal. And look what's going on. If he'd have bought, if he'd have bought in last year, and had that kind of head start, Calvin Bundage, you know, he may be uh, the best linebacker in the country. As it is, he has been arguably the star defensively in fall camp. I'll tell you who else has had a really good camp is Justin Phillips. Speaking of linebackers, sure. he's in really just he bought solid, in, he solid, bought in solid. from Rob Glass the minute he got no there. different different <laughs> background, guy. but you know that's a guy now that's jumped into a starting role. And the thing is, it's been his, and nobody, as far as I can tell, has even knocked on the door of taking that away. He's just been very, very good. You talked about the corners. It is worth noting too that Coach Gundy, we were talking about this during an interview last week, and then we've talked about it other times. And you visited with him as well. And I, you know, Tim Duffy obviously is the position coach, and he's right in the middle of it. Is now what's happened is, and Coach Gundy said this was because in previous years they didn't feel like they could get the type of true corners that they needed to compete at the level they wanted to compete at, the very top of the Big 12. They couldn't get those guys. So instead, they took quarterbacks, what you call athletes, to and then convert them into corners. Justin Gilbert was an example of that when it's gone really well. There were other examples that turned out okay. Uh, you know, it weren't that they were poor, but sometimes we were deficient because when those guys, a lot of times they either did well and they started or they crashed. There really wasn't much in between, if you follow what I'm saying. Now what they've got with all these corners we talked about, the five or six that they may have to use, they're all true corners for the most part. So they've played the position, they know the position, they think like the position. And so when they come into camp, they're more advanced. And so, you know, there's a reason why I don't think there was a single first-team deep ball completed in the first scrimmage. These guys have played the position. They understand the the psychology of it, and they know how to how to they know how to play the position. It, and that matters. It's a different thing now. I'm a firm believer in in uh, in sports. You can compare positions in different sports to each other, and if you're comparing corners to any other position in sports, it's a defensive stopper in basketball. Tony Allen would have been a great corner. 
because he has a corner mindset. He doesn't care how many points he scores. He doesn't care how many rebounds he collects. He wants the goose egg on his opponent's number in points. Yeah. That's what he battles Marcus for. Marcus Dove would have been a good corner. Marcus Dove. I mean, uh, who was the Phantom uh, that played here? They, they nicknamed him the Phantom. may have been before your time. I think it was before uh, my time. It was, but... The, those are guys, defensive stoppers can equate to corners. And if a corner went and played basketball, I know some of them probably think they can slam dunk and three point shoot. But a true corner, he's going to go out and get a goose egg on the other side for his opponent in, in hoops. So I, I equate those two. And you've got a bunch of those guys with that mindset. Uh, I was impressed. You mentioned that first scrimmage. It wasn't just that they were step for step with guys on deep balls. But they were also – we've got corners now that know how to cut the corner on an out route. Yeah. But now, that's the nuances. You'll get beat. The position. Every once in a while, the ball will get through your hands. It'll be completed. But the receiver's momentum is taking him out of bounds anyway. He'll probably step on the line, be out of bounds. It'll be a 10 to 12 to 15-yard completion, move the chains. But if you if you keep working that corner and cutting it, it's going to eventually be a pick six. Sure. That's where pick six is. And think about this. Justin Gilbert did it twice in 2013 at and Iowa State early in the game on that cold day. And then at Texas, he did the same thing, right? Remember right. That right? And, and there other, since then, there have not been many because to, to make that play, you have to have really good confidence at the corner position. Yeah. And we've been playing guys at Oklahoma State that aren't real confident at that. Well, now you've got a bunch of guys that, and you know what? Mason's learned this. They've made it harder on Mason. They've improved Mason Rudolph during fall camp because now he knows he's got to be on time and he's got to zip that out route. Otherwise, it's coming back on in the other direction. So, uh, again, I think good corners can make a huge difference in your football team. And if, if somebody said right now, Robert, what's the biggest difference in this Cowboy football team? As much as most people would say Mason Rudolph, the receivers, Justice Hill with his 565-pound squat max, and he's better, uh, a better offensive line, all those things, you can throw them in. I'm going to say I think at the end of the line, if Oklahoma State comes anywhere close to hitting the marks everybody has for them right now, it'll be because the corner play was as good as I think it could be. 100% in agreement. I couldn't agree more. Because that allows the rest of your defense. Oh, yeah. Now, if, if you don't have to worry about the outside and the corners, and let me say this. Here's another thing I think that made a difference. The last couple of years with Tim Duffy coaching corners and uh, Dan Hammersmith coaching safeties, they've gone to a team coaching concept. They meet together. They coach it together. Sometimes you'll see Hammersmith come up to a corner and say, hey, you know, I need you to do this. You'll see Duffy back there telling Ramon, who he's communicated with yep. before, you know, hey, you need to do this at safety. They, it's, like, it's like when I was in high school, there was a great class you could take as a junior. It was a two-hour class combined, American history and American literature, which singularly can be really boring classes. Right. They put it together and called it American Experience. Three teachers taught it. You did all kinds of projects. I mean, people were clamoring to get into that class. If I'm a corner or a safety, I want to be in the class at Oklahoma State because I don't have just one position coach. You have two. I have two. And I have more teammates. I have more guys in my room that can make me better. I think the way they've handled that corner safety situation is a difference maker. 
you know, as, as we wind our way down here today, and we'll be back with you first part of next week for a Tulsa preview, it's, I'm, I'm, I jump back and forth on the tight end cowboy back issue. Uh, where Oklahoma State's brand new. Blake Jarwin's in the NFL. Zach Veach is obviously no longer here. And Keenan Brown has played some. Uh, he's a, a more recognizable name than some of the others that are involved. And, uh, of course, there's a junior college transfer. And, and Britton Abbott, who is now earned a scholarship, as more of a fullback type cowboy back. So I guess – but I asked someone yesterday who was uh, part of the football operation, I said, Name the position group that you think how they fare could have the most direct impact on this team's ceiling. And the response was the Cowboy backs. And the reason is they allow you to kind of keep the defense guessing to a large extent and protect some of the deficiencies you may have in the offensive line because of what you can do from a formation standpoint. And then when you add – the ability to go tempo with multiple tight ends in the game, something I didn't realize till this summer when I talked to Jason McIndoo about it, the Cowboy Bass coach, it causes defense nightmares when you can play fast with multiple tight ends and do things out of multiple formations. I, you know, I don't know. I was thinking more of the offensive line when I asked that question, but th- that is an important position because of the flexibility it gives you offensively, and it does help you remedy some issues in the offensive line because of, it kind of ties the defense's hands a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I think that's another one. I didn't list that on my list of worries. Uh, I like Britton Abbott. I think he's I do too. the best all-around guy. Uh, I, you know, Keenan has not done enough to, to – you know, he's supposed to be the best receiver, and sometimes I'm disappointed what I see there. And he's not – I do like Sione Finefuyaki because he's that junior college blocker type, fullback type you mentioned, and – I don't know how much he's going to know about the offense to be an every down player, but I think he's a guy that short yardage. If I'm Justice Hill or any of the other backs, I'll follow him through. I'll follow him into the hole because he's going to go through it. I oh mean, yeah, he's, he's a he's an explosive expert. Fine Feyu Wiaki has improved. I think. Did you change the pronunciation? Is it, did you get a different pronunciation than I got? What Fine Feyu Wiaki? Fine Fuiaki is Fine. what I got. I'm I'm going well. I've got to double check. Oh, is that the pronunciation yeah, I've got the guy? Pronunciation guy. You know who I go to? You go to. Uh, I go to Benny Tonga. Benny Tonga, don't you? Yeah. See, I need to ask him myself. Because Benny, because Benny is. I mean, he's Tongan, so. Yeah, I'll have to ask. Uh, I'll have to ask Sione myself to double check. Usually, I do that with the Samoan players or That's any true. tricky ones. But anyway, yeah. please continue. No, I I just like I like him. But here's the deal. I don't know this year, and this will be a question that Mike for us with Mike Yersich in our sessions with him. Do you get more out of having the Cowboy back in there yep. or another receiver, knowing that with the legend, it's already growing, thanks to ESPN and everybody else, the legendary Oklahoma State receivers, do you not get more with one an extra one of those guys in there and then you put four wides out or – twins to each side and run them deep toward the sideline and now that big you figure that's going to spread two and two and probably two deep two over the top yeah that's six defenders how many left to stop the run against seven guys because that's that's just two and two now it's 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 a set it's a seven on five game inside 
I'll take my odds on that seven on five game every time. And I think that the, the dilemma with that, and you're exactly right, is, and that's where it falls back on your offensive line. Because if your offensive line is performing well, they make that next big leap, then you can put four wide out there, and the defense can pretty much know what's coming to a large extent, and you're fine because those five guys hold up and they're okay. If that's a problem, that's where the cowboy back tight end comes into play because it creates you know it creates it's really a, six on five too. Take out Mason's not going to go make any no big blocks. Yeah, so but it's you, six on five. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. that's that's one of the intriguing little mini storylines I want to follow as we get into, especially the more challenging games. Do you want to play four? I mean, do you play four wide extensively, or do you want to use the Cowboy back because you feel like, A, you want to keep the defense guessing, or perhaps in reality, B, you've got a couple little things in the offensive line that maybe aren't quite as strong as you'd like for them to be. I, that That's a little storyline I want to follow. How much four wide? And I asked Jason McIndoo about that when we were visiting this summer. I said, you know, do you just want to play four wide and have your, quote, best guys out there because that's established? And he said, well, if your formation – he, of course, that's his position. Well, you're he talking to the Cowboys biased, backs coach. He but he's also this. involved in helping with the offensive line. He's the former offensive lineman, played at Washington State on a Rose Bowl team, so he gets it. And he said, well, the thing is, though, you, you do that, you give up some of the advantages formationally from the tight end. So that's going to be interesting to watch how much they do that. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get together first of the week and get ready for Tulsa. So we'll tear more into that then. But, gosh, everybody's been waiting, waiting, waiting. and That's the same thing every year. Longer. When you get to this point, it's like how much, how much longer do we have to wait? You know, everybody it's been wants to worse play. for me because I got about a week and a half into preseason camp. It's like, can we well, play camp now? Was Every, everything's camp was established. Oh, yeah, last year it was short because they started school so early. So I got the benefit of one, two, three weeks of camp versus last year, what, 10 days maybe? Yeah. We played later. But with no two-a-days, you have to open camp sooner to get your workouts in. And remember, right. Mike Gundy doesn't ever use all of his allotted workouts. I think, yeah, he's going to be several shy of the – I think he's going to end up four short. Yeah, I was thinking at least four, maybe maybe even more. So. Well, thank you, sir. We'll get together first of the week. We'll break down Tulsa. That's Robert Allen. I'm Dave Hunziker. This is the Cowboy Radio Network Insider. We'll be with you once a week throughout the course of the football season to preview the upcoming game. And until next week, so long. This has been the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation.